Welcome to Epiphany Fellowship's podcast, where our goal is to see people everywhere show off the glory of Christ in every area of life. We pray that you are blessed and encouraged by today's message and will allow the Word of God to dwell in you richly. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Epiphany Fellowship's one Sunday morning gathering. I'm, I'm still getting used to recording, but I'm also getting used to just doing one gathering. It's actually beautiful. It reminds me of the early days. Hope everyone is remaining safe. Uh, hope everyone is strengthened in Christ and also being encouraged during this time. We are still praying for those who are dealing with uh, this pandemic in a way that's different than some of us. Some of us get to fill up parking lots of grocery stores and run the Lowe's or Home Depots. I know those two places are always open and some people are just able to be in regular rotation not to be able to purchase things, but there's some people having a hard time. And so um, we're praying for them. And also just know that Epiphany Fellowship is partnering with the city. You'll hear and see maybe some pics of it, but we're partnering uh, with the school district uh, to help uh, distribute meals for kids who are out of school. And so we want to do that safely. Pray for our team as we're attempting to remain safe in that process. And we're excited to help and serve our community while keeping both them and our, uh, 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 not them, because we're part of one another, but everyone rather, keeping everyone safe. Uh, well, today we are continuing in our series on undefeated. And, um, um, and, I, and I'm excited about this series because we get to walk through the realities of God being an undefeated God. Turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 17, verses 31 through 40. Uh, 1 Samuel 17, verses 31 to 40. Uh, uh, we, we're going we're gonna to read this and we're going to dive in expeditiously. I know some of you will be looking on the screen and I know that others of you will be uh, actually opening scriptures, whether on phones or other mechanisms um, to read. I'm getting this lighting right so I can be able to make sure I can see this joint right here. Good Lord in the morning. There we go. All right. I think that's verse 31. Yes, it is. All right. What David said uh, what David said was overheard and reported to Saul. So he had David brought to him. David said, uh, Saul, David said to Saul, don't let anyone discourage you or be discouraged by him. Your servant will go and fight the Philistine. But Saul replied, you can't go fight this Philistine. You're just a youth. And he has been a warrior since he was young. David answered, Saul, your servant uh, has been tending his father's sheep. Whenever a lion, a bear came and carried off a lamb from the flock, I went after it, struck it down and rescued the lamb from its mouth. If it reared up against me, I would grab it by its fur, strike it down and kill it. Uh, your servant has killed lions and bears. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. Then David 
said, the Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, go and may the Lord be with you. Then Saul had his own military clothes put on David. He put a bronze helmet on David's head and had him put on armor. David strapped the, his sword on over the military clothes and tried to walk, but he had not used them. He said, I can't walk with these. David said to Saul, I am not used to them. So David took them off. I like that. Instead, he took his staff and his hand and chose five smooth th stones from the wadi and put them in the pouch in his shepherd bag. Then with his sling in his hand, he approached the Philistine. I want to talk to you in the time that we have together. Everyone needs a giant. Everyone needs a giant. Let's go before the Lord God in prayer. Father, we thank you, Lord God, for giants, and we thank you for uh, what you have purposed them for in our lives. And God, I'm praying for fresh oil for us as we come together and we look for clarity of life with so many uh, mega things around us, Lord God. We're praying that you would be bigger. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O oh God, our strength and our redeemer in whom we trust. God, we thank you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. In Jesus' name, a, 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 amen and amen. You know, um, I grew up in a family where, um, you know, I grew up old school. My, 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 a lot of you know that my, my mom and dad were f basically 50 years older than me. And in them being 50 years older than me, uh, they were just from, they were like two generations <laughs> before me. And because of that, they would, I was raised sort of in an old school way. And one of the ways in which I was raised is they didn't really tell you a lot about a lot of things in relation to family. Family stuff was so secret. I mean, my family from the South, South Carolina, North Carolina, uh, down that way, Gullah Island kind of thing, uh, speaking Geechee, that kind of thing. And so uh, um, uh, uh, just, just quiet uh, uh, things. But as I began to grow up and began to develop, and my mom would give me tidbits about my family, because, you know, a lot of my family was at the time shrouded in mystery as I would grow and mom would believe that I was mature enough to hear more about the family. Uh, what would end up happening is it would expand my bandwidth of my mom's story and my dad would tell me more about his life. As a matter of fact, my dad passed a few years ago and then in passing, I found out about stuff about him in the last two or three years of his life in his 90s that I had never heard and then expanded and gave me way more understanding of my father in ways that I didn't have because uh, I, I didn't have all the information. So I had a small view of them uh, 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 before I got more information about them. But as more information was released about them to me, I was able to to get a, to get a broader view of their story, a big a bigger picture of who they are, and and it enlarged my view of them. Well, many of us the same way uh, need a larger view of God. Many of us, uh, um, even though God has revealed Himself to us in His Word, we have a very very small view of God, and this small view. Of of God impacts our ability 
to see God as one who can engage any challenge in any situation in our life. I want to I want to know today, how big is your view of God? Now, now, now the way, listen, the, the, the way that you get a bigger view of God is two ways to get in his word and experience him in real life. And, and, and you need you need to both get in his word uh, uh, to see uh, 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 how uh, uh, he, big he shows himself to be. But practically, you need situations um, to be a reality for you to see that the bigness of God is not just stories and or some type of mythology on the pages of some script of the scriptures, but it's also a reality in all of our lives that God wants us to experience. Because many of us have a small view of God. It impacts how we deal with situations in life. And somebody's looking at me saying, I, I don't have a small view of God. Well, I, I, I'm, let, let's take the test. I got a litmus test for everybody under the sound of my voice to see if you have a small view of God. Number one, you have a small view of God. You know you have a small view of God. This is how you know. When we are easily overwhelmed by obstacles. When something comes your way and it's an obstacle that's in the way of placement or movement that you want to go, are you, are you discouraged and overwhelmed by it or are, are you ready to plow through it? Uh, 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 you, you have a small view of God. Uh, um, 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 also, you know that you have a small view of God if you're easily discouraged by hardship, if something hard happens and you are absolutely discouraged. And you know, some of us can go to a place, you know, you know, that place we go to, we, we, we go into our spiritual sunken place and we can go into that spiritual sunken place. And as we go to that spiritual sunken place, we just waddy and wallow in the madness of our discouragement, which that discouragement goes from where we would be in a hopeful state to being in a great state of despair. Not only that, we run from conflict. Some of y'all are the conflict runningest people that I've ever seen in my life. So many of us in our life are scared of conflict and we'll let stuff just build up and we'll have anger and we'll have bitterness. That's how you know you have a small view of God because you're afraid to deal with conflict because you're afraid of how others will respond. Why? Because you have a low view and small view of God. Not only that, you know you have a small view of God if you have unhealthy ways in dealing with your hardships. If, instead of dealing with your hardships, and the Bible says cast your cares on him because he cares for you. If, if, if you go from not casting your cares on God to going to some illegitimate outlet as a mechanism or even a legitimate outlet that's not really an outlet that is God, but it's just an outlet instead of God, it's substandard of what it means to see God in a big way. But also, Another reason you know that you have a low view of God and a low view of his size and his massivity is, is that you, uh, you, you, you let giants fester too long and destroy different parts of your life. We're going to talk about that <clears throat> because if you let giants remain in your life for, for long periods of time, there's some giants that are very, very destructive. And you'll see that in Israel's life. You'll see that in Israel as we dive in. So I want to let you know today that every one of us needs giants. And I want to let you know that God sometimes assigns giants to you. And now, when you look at the reality of the fact that God assigns giants and you have a small view of God on one end and he assigns giants and you run from those to illegitimate mechanisms, what you really have is a big view of yourself and a small view of him. And we're going to talk about that in a second. And we'll talk about the omnipotence of God and the massivity of God in a second. 
Number one, if you are going to recognize that you need a giant in your life, you need giants consistently in your life. Number one, you have to do this. You have to never underestimate God's power to use you. Never underestimate God's power to use you. Look at what the text says. (coughs) It says, what David said was overheard and reported to Saul, so he had David brought to him. And so David's father, Jesse, had him go take lunch, a lunch lunch pack to his brothers on the battlefield. And it was a time where the kings would get their battle regalia on and and they would bow up. It would be like the scene in Michael Jackson's Beat It when the two, you know what I'm saying, gangs came together. I know some of y'all don't remember that. Some of y'all remember that. Some of y'all got to go back on YouTube and look it up. But on both sides of the chart, you see both getting together and getting ready to fight. Well, that's kind of the the battle scene, if you will. Uh, 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 Take it back ancient uh, uh, that that, that you're dealing with in this situation. And, And and, 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 and there's a there's a giant dude about nine foot, uh, 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 nine feet high and nine inches. And he is basically wanting to be the representative of the armies not coming together. But he wants to initiate the fight. The children of Israel are scared to death of him. And David gets in the midst of this and David gets a little bit of. Holy Ghost smackology talk going on because he's frustrated that every time this dude talks smack, the children of Israel pulls back. And so what ends up happening is David was talking so much smack that they said, let's take him to Saul and see what he do. You ever got in a situation, I mean, you ever got in a situation where you were talking so much smack when you was like in school and somebody said, all right, and they try to put you in the battle with this. This is what's going on here. And it says, and David David said to Saul, don't let anyone discourage you. Hold on. He goes to Saul, who is the king of Israel, and says to the king of Israel, don't let anybody discourage you. Now, the idea in the Hebrew of let nobody discourage you means don't let nobody take your heart out your chest, basically. And so how in the world do you have a young man telling the OG, don't be scared, and he walking up there with all this confidence and everything to deal with the reality. He says, he says, listen, he says, don't let anyone discourage, be discouraged by him. Your servant will go and fight this Philistine. I like the way he called him this Philistine, like he's a thing or something, right? <clears throat> I'm be, be, because David has an indignation about the giant, and we will see the reality of the fact that there, why he has an indignation uh, uh, toward the giant. Why? Because God has done some things in his life that has given him an indignation of stuff that would attempt to come against who he is and ultimately who God is. In your life, you should get sick and tired of being sick and tired of some stuff running over you and, and tearing up your view of God and you got to call it this thing and begin to get in your place and stand and reconfigure your reality of who God is because God is omnipotent omnipotent God being omnipotent means that uh, 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 he is all powerful grandma used to say he's God all by himself and he don't need anybody else he's all powerful and this reality has encouraged listen it has encouraged David this reminds me uh, though because Saul's heart is gone and we know his heart is gone because the king wouldn't even fight. None of his boys wouldn't fight, and he wouldn't push them out there. It's interesting. I'm a boxing fan. I'm a huge boxing fan. I like the sweet science of boxing. <laughs> and one of the things that you learn about boxing, as you watch boxing, and you'll hear, I hear it over and over again from boxers. Boxers say this, boxing 
is 20% skill and training and 80% heart. Let me say that again. It's 20% training and skill and it's 80% heart. And the reality is, is skill is never enough to win the battle. It's the stoutness of heart, of whether or not you have the stoutness of heart to be able to enter the ring and actually apply your training. Because if you don't have the emotional fortitude while you're in the fight and you're fearful and you're not focused, what will happen is all of your training goes out of the window and you'll begin to wing it and you'll get knocked out. And so we need God to nurture and work, not just on our skills for fighting giants, but also our disposition in fighting giants because some of us know a bunch of scripture. Some of us do a bunch of ministry. Some of us serve and some of us know everything and some of us do all kinds of posts. But when it comes to dealing with a giant, all of that goes out the window because we're not willing, listen, we're not willing to allow our emotional fortitude and spiritual maturity and faith in the Lord influence our ability to have the, 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 the tenacity to utilize the, the mindset that God has given us in order to apply that thing in order to engage in battle. And so he said, just serving a go, fight, fight this dude. So you got a young, young buck fighting this dude and he wants to go out and fight him. But what's interesting that we must know is every, every, every giant in your life isn't a big giant. There's some little giants in your life. You know how little, something, something little can become a giant in your life. I remember one of my favorite <coughs> movies to watch with my kids is The Incredibles. And, um, Mr. Incredible, Bob Parr, he had a boss named Mr. Huff. Now, if you ever seen The Incredibles, uh, 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 Mr. Incredible is a, is, a, is a big, swoldified dude. I mean, he's a big dude. His boss, Mr. Huff, was this little short dude, right? And, and it's interesting that as you watch the scenes, he finally loses it on him, uh, and, and it wasn't right the way he lost it on him. <clears throat> but ultimately, he, the, the, the boss was a small giant to him because he had control over, in his mind, uh, 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 Mr. Incredible. Mr. Incredible had all this strength, all this power, and all this might, but this small guy became a giant to him, and he responded to that giant in a particular way because of the perceived power that that small giant had over him. What in your life is a small giant that's controlling you? What in your life is a small giant that's controlling you? Verse 33, look at what it says. It says, but Saul replied, you can go up. He, he said, you, can, you can't go up and you can't go fight this Philistine. You're just a youth and he's been a warrior since he was young. I, I, I like the fact that he said you can't. Don't let anybody ever tell you what you can't do. One of the things that, I like Michael Jordan's dad, I'm watching the documentary, he said, if you want to see Michael Jordan get mad and do something, tell him he can't do something. And, and, and it's interesting, though, and the, listen to the reason that he gives. The reason that Saul gives this answer to David is because he's a youth. He said because he's a youth. Now, the understanding of a youth in the Hebrew, when that word is used, it means teenage years to early 20s. Now, let's do a roll call on people in the Bible that God didn't allow their youth to get in the way of him using them to deal with some giant situations. I'm going to just name a few. 
Jeremiah in Jeremiah chapter one said he was too young. God said, I called you before the womb. Daniel uh, 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 stood amongst the lion and the lion's den. You got Hananiah, Meshach, and Azariah, or Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who were in the fiery furnace. God used him, them in a mighty way. Um, you have Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Judas, uh, 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 not Iscariot, Thomas, Andrew, James, uh, Simon the Zealot, Nathaniel, Peter, and Philip that shook up the world. They were young uh, people as well. Ruth was young when God used her. Esther was young when God used her to implement justice in, the, in, 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 in Persia because of what was going on among the children of Israel. Joseph was 17 when he got his first dream. Rahab was a youth or a young woman. Samuel when he got called by God was young. Jonathan was young. And Mary, when she got called by God to bear Jesus, she was young. Josiah, when he made reforms in Israel, he was young. Timothy, when he got called in Acts 16, he was young. Uh, Solomon, when he got called, was 19, between 19 and 22 years old. How can you tell somebody just because they're young, you putting a limitation on them based on age, but you never put limitations based on the person. You always put the limitations based on the empower and if God is the empower if God doesn't God isn't an electrical system that needs upgrading all the power is always flowing through him the question is will the conduit be responsive to the God's power that wants to come through and work through your life and change your life and and wreck shop in every area of your life how dare you put limits on what God can do in your life how dare you put limits on how God can work and change things in your situation how dare you let something in your life be bigger than God? Greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. You have to begin to be careful of letting people tell you what you can't do. <laughs> I like that. Tell me what I can't do. I can tell you what I can't do, but I can tell you what he can do through me. Huh? It is very important to understand, family of God, that David, and what I like about David in this passage, is he didn't let Saul's limitations be his limitations. Oh, God help me. Some of you got family members. They telling you what, they can't, what you can't do because of what they didn't do. They, they telling you what's a mountain, uh, but, but really to you what's a mountain. Don't let anybody get in the way of telling you what God won't do in and through you. But good, good, guess what? Giants are good for you. Next point. You must get used to facing giants on a regular basis. <laughs> I, know this, I know this doesn't sound like good news, <clears throat> but look at what David begins to say. David says in verse 34, he says, David answered Saul, he said, so, so you trying to tell, let me, let me break this down Eric Mason style. He says, so you like, let me, let me just, let me holler at you, Cain. You know, he says, your servant, you, you know what I'm saying, has been tending his father's sheep. You know, I was in my pop's backyard, and whenever a lion or a bear came and carried off a lamb from the flock, and he's like, hold on. Now, now you think he's a young kid, you think he's lying, you know. Like, this dude got bears and lions coming in his backyard, right? In other words, he talks about the fact that he was tending sheep. Know what I like about that is giants, listen, (laughs) giant slayers aren't trained in public, they're trained in seclusion. 
<laughs> so some of the stuff that God wants to do in your life isn't for the stage yet. It's, 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 it's for the back porch. Uh, many times, people who have done great things in public, God has been training them in secret. Many of us want public success without private sanctification. <laughs> we want public acclamation without private accountability. Ain't nobody going to hear me right there. See, God will train you to fight giants in humble places. He didn't train you to some of the stuff that you fought in your life. Some of you fought cancer. Some of you fought for your marriage. Some of you fought for your kids. Some of you fought for so many different things. You fought in your singleness. Now, you didn't learn, you didn't learn how to fight some of the way you fought some giants in your life. You didn't, fight, you didn't fight in the boot camp or a ranger camp or a SEAL training or the police academy. You, you, David said, I, I learned this stuff in my daddy's backyard. And God is, God is good enough to train you where you are never. That's why you never look at where you're placed and have a low view of where God has you. Because God, no matter where you are, is always going to assign a giant to every season that you're in. Y'all better hear me. Listen, some of you, your giant is right now. COVID is your giant. Some of you, your finances is your giant. Some of you, you've had to talk to people you ain't never talked to. That's a, some of you who are single, your giant is being alone. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. And God wants to conquer how you view loneliness. I'm not saying he doesn't want you in community. I'm not saying it's good for you to be alone. But some of us, God has assigned this giant, some giants to you <clears throat> so that you can conquer them so they don't rule your life. Because many of us, if God doesn't change certain things in our life, then we have a sad disposition towards him and his glory in our life. But, 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 but look, look at this thing right here. He said, he said when they carried off the fly, he said, listen, <clears throat> he said, I went after it. He said, I struck it down and rescued the lamb from its mouth. He said, if it reared, if it reared up against me, I would grab it by its fur, strike it down and kill it. Now, you know, I had to do some research. Now, he said bears and lions. <clears throat> lions on their hind feet, a grown lion can stand up to seven feet tall. I want you to hear me. Bears, brown bears that were in this region during that particular time until the 13th century, help me today, that's my nerd coming out, um, they would stand on their hind legs to 10 feet. Hold on. So David has been training in the backyard fighting stuff that was taller than him all along. Matter of fact, the bears that he fought were taller than Goliath. Listen, the things that God is having you practice on doing, he's preparing you for a place that you're not ready for right now. But what he is doing is he's giving you dryness and seclusion so that he can get you to slay him in public. And so you better take care where God has placed you. You, you, you better. No, 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 that ain't in the text. Though. It's too much in the text. It's just too much. Look at verse 36. Look what it says. He said, you're, this is the first time I've seen this. He says, now, that doesn't mean it wasn't there. It's just, I didn't see it. I used to think that David fought a lion and a bear, a bear. Verse 36, don't say that. Verse 36 says that he killed lions, plural, and bears, plural. What does that tell me about my life? Is that 
there will constantly be giants coming in your life over and over again. Some of us think because of what we went through, we've earned a giantless season. Listen, that's not how life works. You, you, don't, you don't get, that's why Jesus says, uh, those who live godly in Christ, Jesus will suffer stuff. Listen, giants are a norm for the believer. Look at me in the eye. Giants are normal for you. And, and, and you have to get used to the fact that God will always assign a giant to you because he loves you enough to help you to grow in different areas of your life. <laughs> and, in, and in reality, he says, this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them. So his confidence didn't come from his skill of talking trash and thinking he can just make it happen. David is saying, I've seen God bring me over some giant seasons and help me to deal with some giant stuff so that now that this giant is in front of me, I I, I can deal with it because God has already been with me and dealing with stuff anyway. We need to begin approaching our giants that way. One of your life is jumping in front of you right now. That's an obstacle. The, the obstacle after obstacle. It's something I'm believing God for right now. And every time God breaks through one giant in the situation, another giant within the situation rears his head. To the point where I have to be careful to be melancholy towards a breakthrough. See, sometimes when you have giants, God, God destroys the giant in phases. And when he destroys the giant in phases, because he didn't bring it all the way down like we wanted him to bring the giant down, we don't praise him and honor him and thank him for the aspect of the giant that he brought down. We, we, we become melancholy because we don't, we don't think. We say, oh, God just did this, but maybe he won't do the whole thing. So what we'll do, oh, my God, help me today. What we'll do is we'll, we'll say, I'm going to wait till God fully does it to really believe that he'll do it. But that's not, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. In other words, faith isn't it happening, then I'm having faith. Nah, that's knowledge. Faith is it hasn't happened yet, and I'm hoping and believing, and I have a picture of a preferred future that God would do that particular thing, and I'm trusting in God as the object of my faith to bring this thing down. And so even though he hadn't brought it all the way down in the way that I wanted him to bring it down in the time, and I'm still going to believe that it's going to happen. That's what we have to begin to do as believers and live in light of this. Now, now David's... Confidence wasn't just some charismatic, Pentecostal kind of, you know, just, just triumphalism that comes. And I'm not dogging my, my siblings. You know, we, uh, you know, I come from a Pentecostal background, so I can say that. Uh, it's not just that I'm just saying this. Going no, no, no. He had theological basis for this. It, it was theological foundation that drove his tenacity to deal with this giant. Remember, he's called a Philistine. Not only did he call him a Philistine, he called him an uncircumcised Philistine. In other words, Philistines go back a, a, a long way, uh, but, but you gotta understand, circumcision goes back to the covenant with Abraham. Now, Israel is under covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right? Now, guess what? Under the Abrahamic covenant. 
You can go back to Genesis 26. You can go back to earlier in Genesis. Uh, 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 Abimelech, who was a, a, a Philistine, was in the promised land when Abraham went into the promised land. Uh, the children of Israel have constantly had issues with the Philistines. As a matter of fact, the Philistines were one of the groups of people that God wanted uh, the people of God to decimate in the promised land because they stopped up Abraham's will. Why is all of this important? Because God wanted to already, based on the scriptures, move them as giants out of the way, and he had biblical rootedness in understanding that the reason why this giant is an obstacle is because God says this giant is an obstacle. I'm not just making up the fact that this is an obstacle, and because of that, I'm standing on biblical ground to deal with this particular issue. That's what God wants us to do. That's why, that's why I never fight a battle that God hasn't called you to fight. <laughs> Only fight kingdom battles. And I know what some of you are asking right now. How do I know what battles to fight? <clears throat> I'm glad you asked. You know what battles to fight? First off, when God places the battle for before you. Number two, it's always tied to a greater good. And number three, it's always for God's glory. Let me say, let me say that again. God places it before you. It's tied to a greater good and it's for his glory. That's why we, I work here in North Philly. That's, that's what we're here for. We're here to fight some giants because we got to be willing to fight not just personal giants. Because many of us, we only, when we think of giants, <clears throat> we think of our own personal destiny and our own personal, what we got, and our, what we got going on. But, but there, 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 are, there are community giants. There are family giants. There, there, there are generational giants. There are, there, there are national and international giants. And some of our communal giants are, are, is poverty and, and injustice and violence and self-hate and miseducation and lost souls and broken homes. There's so many giants giants that we need to be fighting that we need to be trusting God to deal not just with our per that's what I like about this because David isn't just fighting a giant that's his personal issue he engages in something that he did not have to engage in and the church needs to begin to stop looking personally at the giants that only affect us and look at the giants that have a significance beyond the bounds of our own personal preferences but based on God's biblical principles it's very important for us to look at it that way, that, that, that we have to see it more than because most people, when they look at this passage, they look at it personally. What's my personal giant? No. Here is actually in the context of the passage, a national giant that's going to break down some things for not just David to get free, but everybody to get free of this. He said he's defying, he's defying God. Last point and I'm done. Giants aren't to be avoided, they're to be engaged. Oh my God. Giants aren't to be avoided. They are to be engaged. Verses 37 through 40. It's interesting that when you look back in the passage, the Israelite army was running from the giant, but David ran towards it. <laughs> look at verse 37. David then said, the Lord who rescued me from the Paul of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, go and may the Lord be with you. I don't know if he meant that. You know what I'm saying? I, I don't know if he was like, okay, God be with you. All right. He's going to get towed up. I, I don't know what his disposition was on that. <clears throat> but, the, but, but look at verse 38. <clears throat> it says, then Saul had his own military clothes put on David and he put a bronze helmet on his head and had the armor put on him. The king has a boy, his armor, 
And, and th this should be disturbing because guess what? Giants expose several things about this. It exposed our insecurities. It shows us our limitations, but it makes us pray. Listen, you need a giant in your life that exposes your insecurity so that it'll make you pray. Some of us wouldn't pray if God didn't give us a giant. <clears throat> And, 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 and because some of us will have a good little season with the Lord. And then once we have a good little season with the Lord, then we'll fall back from prayer because we're riding off the coattails of what God was doing in another season. And then God will say, okay, you're going to chill out. Boom, here come another giant. And so God wants, wants, wants so many of that, uh, so much of that to engage and challenge our lives because giants are put in your life to show you how big the God is that you serve. Look at what David says in verse 39. Look at what it says. David strapped his sword on over the military clothes and tried to walk. He said, I can't, I can't walk in these. I can't walk in these. And David said to Saul, I'm, I'm not used to them. <clears throat> so David, David took them off. And it's interesting. Instead, look at verse 40. He took his staff in his hand and he chose five smooth stones from the wadi and put them in a pouch in his shepherd's bag. Then with his sling in his hand, he approached the Philistine. Now, 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 hold on. David gets a man bag. I want you to see this picture. He got on a man bag pouch thingy. You understand? He got a sling, which is, is not the slingshot thing with the fork thing that we would use today. It's basically like this and he, it, it, basically like this and you put it in here and you swing it around like that and then let that joint go. So he probably has had a lot of practice with this, but I don't know about uh, a sling and the little staff he had for shepherd staff and all of that up against. Listen, back over in the other passage, J Goliath had 120 pounds, 25 pounds of armor on him, plus staffs and shields and another dude walking out there with multiple shields carrying his weapons. But 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 what's but, but, but what's crazy about it is my man David. My man David comes out there like this. He's he's like he's like you come with me with swords and spears, but I come to you. I don't know I, I don't know how you're doing that, just swinging that thing around. He said, but I come to you in the name of the Lord and uh, the Lord God. And 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 he said, I'm a feed. Dude, dude said, I'm a feed your bird. I'm a feed your your flesh to the bird. David said, all right. Guess what? I'm gonna light you up real quick. Soon as you go to sleep, you're going to go slam to sleep. When you go to sleep, I'm going to stand over you, cut your head off, your boy's going to run. And then all of a sudden, uh, David, David's running and Goliath, and the Bible says he ran towards him. I love the fact that he ran towards this giant, but he's using what God had already prepared him for. It might not look like the weapons of his warfare because the weapons of his warfare are only the weapons that are physical weapons. But David is using spiritual weapons. How do I know? Because the chapter before this, he got filled with the spirit. And, and, and earlier in the passage, he says, who could defy? the armies of God. And so David is not just going in his own power through using these physical mechanisms in order to fight the battle, but he's fighting a spiritual battle and he gets it and he lets the jungle and the, and the thing sinks right in his head and homie went slammed to sleep. Why? Because God's with him. Listen, what in your life are you allowing to just run over you? What in your life, what giants in your life and in the world Big ticket issues that God has called you to engage in it. And somebody said, how in the world did David kill Goliath? He killed them three ways. He killed them with God's presence. Chapter 16, verses 12 through 13. He killed them with private practice. Chapter 16, verse 6 and 7. And verse 34 through, 16, through 36. <laughs> and lastly, with God's glory.
Listen, God's presence, private practice, and God's glory is the way you beat giants. Let me say that again. God's presence, private practice, and providential glory. The glory of God. That's how you impress. You got to be motivated by what God gets out of it if, the, if he allows you to be empowered to take down the giant. Because one of the greatest things in our lives, though, one of the greatest giants in our lives is our sin. That's the giant that needs to be taken down. And guess what? Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, guess what he did? He took on the giant of our sin. And on the cross, when he died on that Friday, all of the sins, past, present, and future of the elect was on him and weighed him down with this. That's why he said, Elohi, Elohi, my God, my God, why have thou forsaken me? Why? Because he was taking on the giant of sin. But what I love about the reality of that is when he died on the cross, all creation responds to the fact that he was the son of God. And he got back uh, on, with all power in his hand on Sunday to let us know that the ultimate giant was conquered when Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins. And Jesus Christ died on the cross to empower us to face the giants that he already faced for us. What Jesus Christ died for on the cross was not for your sin only. It was also to empower you to deal with every single giant in your life. Today, I'm encouraging you, no matter where you are, no matter who you are, that you have the great and magnificent opportunity by God to deal with the giants in your life. How do you deal with them? You deal with them by getting in God's presence. You deal with them uh, by private practice. And lastly, you deal with them by having a motivation and a passion for God's providential glory. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, this is a great opportunity to place your confidence in him. Place your confidence in the fact that he died on the cross and he got up on the third day for you, and he's your replacement. He wants to put you in a relationship with God. And I guarantee, it, it, trusting Jesus doesn't stop giants, but it does give you empowerment to deal with them. God bless you. Take care. And by God's grace, see you next week. Hello, this is Dr. Eric Mason, founder and pastor of Epiphany Fellowship. Thank you for tuning in today. Hopefully, the word of God was a blessing to you. Also, if you want to help us build the kingdom from Philly and beyond, particularly in inner cities, partner with us today. And if you don't know Jesus as Savior, based on his death, burial, and resurrection, place your confidence in him and go from spiritual death to spiritual life. Tune in next time so we can see you go from spiritual infancy to spiritual maturity. God bless you. Take care. We love you. We love you. We love you.